Welcome to this week's edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller here with my fellow Regional Master Instructor and, of course, dear friend, Miss Wendy Batts. Wendy, how are you? I'm great, Marty. How are you? Can't complain. Actually, I'm excited. This is always one of the best times of the week. Get to hang out with you, get to talk to all of our amazing NASM family, and again, another cool topic today. Cool topic, but before we get started, where's Marty this week? Because I know right. you're not at home. <laughs> Exactly. It's funny. I go home and I think everyone's like, what do you hear? I'm like, I live here. Kind of. I am in the beautiful state of New Jersey this week. And I'll give you a hint. I'll probably be in New Jersey again next week. There you go. Who knew? Right. <laughs> home number two. But, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm super, super excited today because we have a very, very special guest who is going to talk to us a lot about blood flow restriction and so, Marty, you want to kind of give us a little bit of a background about Mr. David and, and then we'll bring yeah. him in. Yeah, I'm not going to. He's going to tell us so much more. So David is the co-founder of uh, an amazing blood flow restriction company called Suji. He's got a great background in professional rugby. But why don't we just bring him in and let him tell us all about himself instead of me? There no pressure at all. Nice to see you guys. How are you doing? I'm from overseas. Not that anyone would know with that accent, but welcome to our friend from uh, the UK. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Absolutely. Uh, now, how much time do you spend in the US? Because you're, you're kind of 50-50 right now, right? I, I spend way too much time uh, traveling over the Atlantic, being jet lagged, and then subsequently recovering from jet lag. So that's kind of been my last 12 months. Uh, so I was over in the US um, with yourself, Marty, a few weeks ago up in Chicago and uh, yeah, got back to the UK about a week ago. So just about got over the jet lag um, and then I'll be back out to the US in, uh, in early November as well. Excellent. I'm looking forward to seeing you again in person. So thanks for joining. Yes. And, you know, David, I'm really excited about this topic because I feel like there are so many questions out there on truly what blood flow restriction training is. So can we just start with that basic question? I say basic because it's not basic, but would you mind starting out with that um, just to kind of let our audience know a little bit more about how much depth we're going to go into this? Yeah, sure. So um, blood flow restriction training or, or BFR as it's more commonly uh, known essentially combines the, the partial restriction of blood flow to a limb uh, and is often then combined with low load or low intensity exercise. So that's kind of it in its most simplest form. Um, what that then does is uh, place additional stress on the limb and essentially the limb thinks that it's working at a much higher intensity uh, without that additional uh, mechanical load. That was a great, simple answer to a complex question. No, I, love I it. know. Thank I you. It's not my first time. <laughs> no, not at all. So expanding off that, where would you, if you can go, in, you know, not, you don't have to necessarily quote exact research articles, but when we looked at the research and, you know, where it maybe started, what were some of the first case studies or usage of it? And then also, where do you see it heading? So the, the, the sort of genesis of blood flow restriction training goes all the way back to the, uh, the mid-1960s, actually, from Japan. So uh, the founder of, of uh, BFR was a gentleman called Yukeshi Sato. Um, and essentially, he, he discovered it. He's, he, was a, he was a bodybuilder, and he was taking part in a Buddhist uh, prayer ceremony where he was spending a lot of time in a kneeling position. Uh, and then come the end of that session, he realized that the feeling that he got in his uh, in his calves was very similar to the feeling that he got after a lifting session. And he kind of deduced that that feeling um, was a result of partially restricting blood flow to the limb due to that kneeling position. Um, 
And a very long story short, that kind of uh, kickstarted him through a few decades worth of self-experimentation where he was using uh, ropes and uh, bike inner tubes and wraps and belts, anything he could kind of get his hands on to partially restrict blood in the limb. Um, fast forward to sort of like the mid 90s, that's when we started seeing like our first um, published and peer reviewed studies on the use of BFR when the sort of technology kind of caught up where they were able to like modulate blood flow in a more accurate manner. Um, and then the, when you sort of come forward a little bit further, sort of like the mid 2000s in, in the year 2006, we saw the first instance of uh, the now infamous 75 rep scheme, which um, proponents and users and clinicians who adopt BFR, that's probably what they're using now, uh, kind of plucked out of thin air, but it's the one that everyone's kind of ran with. Um, and then as sort of technologies continue to improve and the general awareness around BFR has, uh, has continued to improve, we're now see BFR pretty much mass adopted amongst, uh, particularly in elite sport, in like the collegiate and the professional setting. Uh, and now certainly we're starting to see that trickle down into more of sort of like the general population into like the personal training realm as well. Fascinating. And, and David, I've done, you know, like read a bunch of research about it as well. And I know it's, it's becoming more and more popular, even with people that are like post-op and going through mm. rehab. And so can you kind of talk us through kind of the, kind of the gains or the benefit for someone that really is limited in range of motion and trying to get them back to full um, capacity to whatever it is that they were trying to do before surgery? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the main use case that we typically see for BFR still sits in that sort of post-surgical realm. Um, one of the most heavily researched um, use cases for BFR, for example, is in like post-surgical, like post-ACL uh, surgical patients. Um, the main reason for that is because um, obviously, one when you experience uh, or go through surgery, you're then going to be limited in the amount of load that you're able to then obviously put through the limb. Um, and if you're a physical therapist or, or, or a PT, the main thing that you're going to be concerned about is um, muscle atrophy and, and losses in muscle strength. Um, that, the, the latter being one of the main um, delaying factors for getting someone back to their activities of daily living or if they're an athlete, getting them back on the court or, 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 the, or the field. So um, BFR is great because you can lift significantly less load yet still see similar physiological adaptations to lifting heavy so most of the research uses um loads as low as sort of like 20 to 40 percent of that individual's one rep max um certainly bfr is not there to ever replace heavy lifting so bfr is never there to replace heavy dumbbells or heavy barbells um, but certainly as a, as a supplement to regular tra training in healthy people it's a great add-on and um it most certainly has its place in that sort of injury rehab and post-surgical space well, for those of you just joining us today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, I'm Marty Miller here with my co-host as always, Wendy Batts, and we are with David Marshall, the co-founder of Suji, and we are talking everything blood flow restriction today. So I was definitely excited about this topic, and David, just that comment that you made about what it does and how you can use less load goes back to, you know, here we are with NASM talking about a periodized undulating program where we go from stability to strength to power and we have to be able to work with any client. So one of the things that I just thought about, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this usage, is you know there are certain people that at a period of time in their life, they're just not going to be able to do that maximal strength lifting because of previous injury or spinal compression, you name it. Have you found that the use of blood flow restriction in with lesser weight has been able to elicit some of those responses in keeping on muscle masses, we age, et cetera, because that's so important for health. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you you see that, that adoption of BFR um, across all populations, really. The simplest way you want to think about it is anyone who would benefit from being able to lift heavy um, but can't for any number of reasons, that is a use case for BFR. So, you know, an, 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 an aging population is certainly, uh, certainly applicable for them. Um, if you're in a position where, you know, lifting heavy load is, is not an option due to either injury or, um, you know, pre-existing conditions, or more so even if you're, if you're an athlete in season, we see that used a lot. So um, one of the biggest adopters of our technology are, um, are NBA franchises. And obviously the demand that they go through in a 82 game, you know, minimum season is, is pretty substantial. So if you've got an NBA athlete who's, you know, 60 games into that 80 game season um, and I was their strength coach or athletic trainer, the, the chances of me wanting to put any sort of heavy load anywhere near that athlete are, are next to nil. So um, again, that's the applicability in sort of the elite sports space. And you really want to think about how that can translate to, to other populations as well. Um, we start seeing, you know, we're seeing uh, more use cases of BFR in, in regular medicine as well. So um, there's a lot of emerging case studies in like neurological um, uh, diseases. So we're seeing um, the use case for BFR for MS patients and Parkinson's and other things as well. Obviously, again, where they're not in a position where uh, they can necessarily lift heavy with heavy mechanical load, um, but yet they're still set to see similar results by implementing BFR. Awesome. And today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, myself, Wendy Batts, with my co-host, Marty Miller, have David Marshall talking about the science behind um, blood flow restriction or BFR. And David, you know, I think, you know, I personally have cuffs for the arms and for the legs. And I know a very, very common question that I get is how do you know how much pressure someone should actually, how much are we restricting? And so can you kind of talk when we're talking about the science behind BFR, how does that how does that work? Because every individual is different. So how is that monitored? If you could kind of go into more detail about that, it really depends on on what you're using, uh, what equipment that you're using. Um, if you look at like one end of the spectrum, uh, the technology or the equipment available to you could be something quite archaic. So we're talking about um, you know rubber bands. We're talking about you know World War II style tourniquets and the like. Um, a lot of the uh, use of that, they, they talk about um, tightening the cuff to a quote unquote seven out of 10 feeling. Um, this is obviously extremely inaccurate and extremely subjective. Um, so not necessarily something that I would, uh, I would recommend to, to, to the viewers or the, or the listeners. Um, in reality, you, you really wanna be using a, a BFR system uh, or device that is able to uh, calculate what's called your, your limb occlusion pressure percentage. So. Um, an example of that would be if you achieve 100% limb occlusion pressure, so 100% LOP, that is the minimum compression needed to that limb to restrict 100% of, uh, of blood flow. Uh, and then from that, once you then have that value, you're then able to then calculate all the percentages all the way down the chain. Um, and then in reality, dependent on what adaptation that you're trying to force or how you're using BFR, um, it's really going to determine how, how tight or how loose you want to have that cuff. So um, you know, if you're using BFR for more sort of like passive recovery protocols, most of the research tends to suggest that you want to have uh, a little bit of a higher um, level of restriction. Um, and there's been some amazing studies that show that if you want to see sort of like strength or hypertrophy, um, you can go as low as sort of 40 to 50 percent as well. So you want to think about the the, the level of occlusion, the, the, the level of restriction of blood flow almost as another variable in your session, just in the same way that you could vary uh, the load lifted or the rest period, number of sets, number of reps. 
Um, again, you really want to think about is that it's not just the generic, you know, tighten up, uh, tighten the cuff and then see what happens. Well, David, and I actually have something like a follow-up question to that because I have gotten, I also train a lot of professional athletes. And one of the questions that I get when someone's kind of new to this type of training, is it okay to do like blood flow restriction if you have cuffs for the upper and lower? Can you do them at the same time? What is your, what are, what is the proper way of, of utilizing the cuffs. I know, I know this answer because I had to do a bunch of research, but coming from you, I think it would, it sound way better than coming from cool. me. Cool. So. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll keep it very short and very simple. Never, ever, ever put cuffs on all four limbs and then start working out. So you can definitely go both legs at the same time. You can definitely, you can definitely go both arms at the same time, but you, you don't want to, you certainly don't want to have all four on the go uh, simultaneously. Uh, more is not always best. Let's just put it that way. When it comes to uh, when it comes to the number of cuffs you've got on, we have a lot of extremists that listen. So 100%. that's why I really wanted to uh, to make sure that we were very hey, crystal and, clear. And we had and we had to we had to actually uh, with 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 our product Suji, we actually had to put in a um, uh, we had to put in a protocol in the app to stop people inflating above a certain percentage because we know that there are a lot of people out there where they try it for the first time and they just think, hey, more is more. And, you know, I'll just take this all the way to the nth degree. Um, so we had to actually put that in to, to stop people from doing that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very aware of people's uh, natural inclination to to take it, to take it, take things too far. Wendy, you, you didn't ask that question because you're worried about me doing that with the cuffs I have, right? I'm just saying I wanted to make sure that we're talking about protocols and safety um, on this this beautiful webinar that we're we, we have going on right now. <laughs> No, you know, I'll follow the science, but I think that's a great question. But one of the questions I had, uh, you know, David, now that I'm thinking about it is I've seen this, but I want to know what your opinion is. What about somebody that is cycling and maybe doing a power program on a cycle, things like that? I think commonly people think of body weight exercise or resistance training, but what is your take if somebody was going to use them on the lower extremity and then do some type of cycling protocol? Uh, yeah, really interesting. Actually, we uh, we did a um, an intervention with um, a university here in the UK called Loughborough University, which is one of the top sports science universities uh, in the world. And uh, they actually used our cuff for a ten week um, winter training block with their elite cycling team. Um, and they were using I, I can't can't quote the exact um, specifics of the of the study, but they were using our cuffs at a reasonably high occlusion level and um, limb occlusion pressure. And they were taking their athletes through bouts of um, heavy sprint intervals and they, they they saw phenomenal results with uh with, with the use of our product where uh i believe that they improved the critical power of individual cyclists by up to 6.4 percent across a 10-week window um in an, in an elite athlete population which they were they were they were astonished by so yeah i mean obviously since you know since we've been recording this we've been talking about the more quote-unquote traditional uses of of bfr which is more in sort of the um, improving, you know, hypertrophy, uh, avoiding atrophy and those sorts of things. But um, we really are just see, sort of scraping the surface in terms of the applicability for BFR in like an anaerobic and an aerobic perspective as well. Um, and it's purely just because, you know, uh, the, the research just hasn't quite caught up with, with the applicability yet. Awesome. Well, with you, you kind of saying that, David, what are some of the the upcoming uses for blood flow restriction in your in your opinion? I mean, we're talking a lot about the science, but where mm. do you see this going, like evolving to? 
Oh, for, for, for us, and this is you know somewhat anecdotal, but um, the, the use of BFR as a passive recovery modality is is definitely, um, in, in my opinion, going to be like the next big wave. So um, interacting with with cuffs in a similar way where you see like these compression boots, um, the science behind passive BFR is extremely strong, uh, extremely potent. And uh, uh, we're seeing a lot of our customers in the elite and professional sports realm um, first adopting um, Suji and BFR in a more you know traditional sense, using it for injury rehab and for load management. Um, but now a huge number of those uh, those athletic trainers and those customers are now using it with their athletes uh, specifically for sort of like post practice, post game, post lift recovery as well. Um, and I think that that is going to be you know the next big wave in the BFR space for sure. Now, question for you. I was just thinking about this. So travel, I travel all the time. You don't know always what type of fitness center you're going to get to. Have you seen like, a lot of people use this just with body weight alone and or can they use it? Like how often can you use it or can you use it every time? Because I would think that that would be a great application for those people who can't always get into their gym. Yeah, absolutely. And you think like with, with BFR, you know, going back to the core principles of it, you're able to lift significantly less weight yet still see similar results to lifting heavy. So if you've got a limited um, limited access to, to heavy load or, you know, you're, you're working out in like a, um, either in your hotel room or, or, or a small hotel gym, then BFR is obviously a, a perfect sort of travel companion for that. Um, provided obviously that the equipment that you're using is going to be portable, easy to use, and obviously accurate with that. Um, so yeah, certainly we, we see a lot of, uh, sort of like transient athletes. So we're talking like golfers, um, ATP tour tennis players, who, who use, you know, our equipment all the time on the road, particularly for that reason where, you know, they, they, they want to know that they're going to have access to equipment, which is going to allow them to elicit a really potent response if they can't guarantee that they're going to have access to the, the relevant amount of equipment. So you're saying I have to travel with one more thing now. <laughs> <laughs> However, or maybe it's the only thing, Marty. <laughs> I got to have, Wendy, you know, I got to have a toothbrush. Oh yeah. Well, that's just, that, that is a, David, if you don't know Marty, he brushes his teeth more than anyone you will ever meet in your life. Just saying. That's um, why he's got those pearly whites. So it's, obviously do, it's doing well for him. <laughs> exactly. There's dental health associates with cardiovascular health, David. It's all about health. That's all yeah, I'm saying. Very I'm true. not here to, I'm not here to dispute the science. <laughs> And today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, myself, Wendy Batson, Marty Miller have the, um, we have David Marshall on, we're talking about the science behind BFR uh, training, and then also kind of going into a little more depth of, of when to use it, how to use it. And, and David, I have another, you're going to love this, another two-part question for you. Um, what are, going back again on safety, you know, just for our listeners that are very new to this type of information, what are some contraindications for people like, you know, who do you think it cannot be safe for or is it safe for everyone? And then what is it actually? I know what I felt and I was kind of astonished the first time I used it. So what should someone expect the first time they have their cuffs on? So to, to answer the first question, um, you're mainly looking for contraindicators around um, history of blood clots um, and other sort of like cardiovascular um, issues or disease. Um, it's, it's a bit of a, bit of a gray area because there's, there's nothing, there's no studies that show um, that it, it that isn't safe. It's more the fact that it hasn't been able to get through any ethics committees in order to publish using BFR with someone who has a history, for example, with someone who has blood clots or history of blood clots, should I say. Um, so that'd be like the main one that we look for. 
Um, and, you know, if you're working with a, a physical therapist or, you know, personal trainer, um, I'd strongly recommend that you obviously run that past your, uh, your client or your, or your athlete before, you know, um, administering BFR with them. Um, in terms of your, your second question, in terms of how BFR feels, one of the good things for uh, one of the good things with BFR is that it's, it's tangible. As soon as you get halfway through uh, your working sets using blood flow restriction training, you can feel something happening. So uh, that can work one of two ways where either athletes feel it, it's extremely tough, it's hard, and they're shocked at the fact of how tough and hard it feels given the fact that they're lifting much, much less weight. Um, so you either get extreme buy-in or you get athletes who turn around and go, hey, this just isn't for me. Um, in our experience, it's, it's, more, it's more the prior where they, they love the fact that they can feel something working instantly. And a lot of them then correlate their improvements in, in strength and improvements in athletic performance with the fact that they've done BFR. So, um, yeah, I think there definitely is something to be said for uh, that tangibility of being able to feel it there and then. Awesome. David, can you address the, you know, kind of like the big question in the room, kind of like, okay, what happens when a personal trainer brings this into practice? Is this something that's within their scope of practice? How do you guys uh, address that? Because it is something new to the industry for sure. For sure, for sure. That, that's, that's a really, really good question. So um, in my opinion, BFR is probably one of the heaviest, uh, the most heavy researched rehab and training modalities that is not yet mass adopted. Um, and one of the main reasons for that is because of the uh, the limitations with the current technology which is out there for people to use. So um, on the one hand, if you've got a trainer who's thinking about using BFR and all they have access to are straps and bands, that you know that's obviously going to limit their um, uh, their willingness to want to use that with with a client purely because they have no clue how much blood they're restricting and that it certainly doesn't feel safe or, or ethical. Uh, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you have extremely expensive and cumbersome um, bits of technology that cost several thousand dollars. Uh, you have to do a one thousand dollar course just for the privilege of using the machine and they're not very portable. And traditionally, those sorts of um, bits of technology have then been used in elite sport and at universities and in the collegiate setting. Um, so really now what we're starting to see with like the emergence of, of new technologies, obviously Suji being one of them is is the ability to then administer BFR accurately and safely. You don't have to have a, um, a pre-existing certification in order to do it. Um, that being said, I would certainly recommend that you obviously do your research and you, you understand the, the basic protocols that sit behind it and the science that sits behind it and when best to use it. Um, but whether you're using Suji or you that using another piece of technology, you definitely want to have some tech which can calibrate to each individual where you know that the level of restriction that you're applying is bespoke to that individual based on their body type, limb circumference, and those sorts of things. Um, and then if in doubt, stick to the science. So there's been you know a, a myriad of studies and hundreds of studies looking at the 75 rep scheme and the loads and the rest periods. Um, stick to what's been researched, um, build your, your, your base from there. Uh, and then once you then feel comfortable, then you know start, start experimenting from that. Awesome. So, all right, David, can you talk about like the evolution of BFR? Because we, um, I, we work very closely with some physical therapists that when they first brought it into our gym, it, they had this machine that was like literally following the athlete around who was coming out of post rehab. Mm -hmm. And then of course, you know, 
through all of the you know different uh, platforms and people that I've met in the industry, my cuffs are I put them on, I run them off my phone. So can you kind of talk a little bit about the differences of type of equipment out there with CG, CG obviously being you know one you know the most, but just kind of what what to look for, like what should our trainers really you know, just to explain the differences between the different technologies. Yes, yeah, certainly. And I've, I've got a caveat that everything I'm about to say is obviously coming from the most biased source applicable. Um, <laughs> so um, as mentioned before, you know, BFR technology really exists on quite the, the, the big spectrum. Um, so you've got your rubber bands and your straps on one side. Um, they're obviously extremely portable. They're obviously in it completely inexpensive. You can get them for like $15 on Amazon and, um, you know, there's a level of practicality with that. I strongly wouldn't recommend that if you're working with a client because of the lack of accuracy. Um, on the other side, the bit of technology that I think you were referring to there is, um, I won't mention them by name, but yes, you're right. It normally exists on uh, what looks like an IV dolly. Yes. Um, it normally has to remain plugged into the wall. Um, there's normally quite a lot of hoses that then remain connected to the to the athlete's cuff while they're working out. Um, so it really starts limiting the, the number of use cases that you can actually apply. And because of that, cumbersome nature of that bit of technology and similar ones to it, it kind of has meant that physical therapists, athletic trainers, PTs have kind of limited their use of BFR, despite the fact that you can use BFR across like a broad spectrum of, um, of use cases. Um, what we're seeing now, and obviously Suji is, is very much included in this, and obviously as mentioned, I'm biased, but we, we do think that we are the, the new gold standard when it comes to portable and accurate BFR technology. Um, with our particular um, piece of piece of tech, it's all controlled by a, a mobile app. Um, when the user first uses Suji, our app guides them through all of, all of the setup, including calibration. And during calibration, our cuff essentially inflates and deflates for about 60 to 90 seconds, uh, during which point it learns the, ex uh, the minimum compression needed to achieve 100% limb occlusion pressure. Um, the big difference with our system compared to others is that that calibration data then saves to that individual's profile, um, meaning that it's much easier to then implement it for, for future sessions. And we've built workflows specifically for the, uh, the professionals, so your personal trainers, your physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength coaches. And then we've also then got an interface which is built in the app specifically for the individual, because we understand that the workflows of those two, uh, two groups are, are markedly different. So... Um, to answer your question, the, the, the evolution of BFR technology has come, a, uh, has come on leaps and bounds, certainly in the last five years. Um, we think that we're kind of leading the charge on that. Um, there are obviously other uh, technologies available to you. Um, I, I would strongly recommend that anyone that you, that you choose should be one that, that has a huge amount of like, level of accuracy, um, and it should always uh, have the capacity to calibrate to, to the individual that you're using the device on. So I'm going to go back to the science. I know we've talked about blood flow restriction, but can you just maybe take one kind of a little bit deeper step into the science on what is happening at a cellular level or whatever the response is being caused as somebody is going through an exercise protocol with that uh, blood flow restriction? Sure. So essentially, when, when we say blood flow restriction, what we're actually restricting is the, is the venous outflow. Um, so we're stopping the, the or restricting, partly restricting the blood returning back to the heart. Um, as a result, we then create a hypoxic environment in that limb. Um, on the back of that, there's a, there's a, a number of different things that, that occur. But one of the big things that we tend to see is, um, uh, is, is like a drastic hormonal response. 
Um, so we see, you know, huge increases in like plasma growth hormone level, for example. Um, we also see, which is which is f phenomenal, we actually see earlier recruitment of type two fibers. Um, so they're your, you know, quote unquote, fast twitch muscle fibers, which normally, um, if you're going to elicit a similar response, you're going to need to lift obviously a much, much, much heavier load. Um, so that's why that's uh, used often in that sort of like post-surgical realm. Um, outside of that, there's there's a, there's a huge amount of other stuff that you tend to see even when you're just using BFR passively. So um, we we see as a result of that sort of that combination of partial restriction uh, paired with a reperfusive phase where the where the cuff deflates, where we then see that rush of oxygenated blood back into the limb. Um, we see some huge improvements in uh, like offsetting like muscle soreness um, and uh, you know uh, offsetting like muscle atrophy in individuals that are recovering from uh, from surgery. Great, thank you for that. And Wendy, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask one quick follow up: Is approximately what's the research showing where people start to see some type of benefit from the use of it? Oh, I mean, I don't know the exact study, but I know that there was a study that looked at ACL. Um, they looked at ACL patients and they took them through uh, uh, twice daily BFR sessions where they're going through the 75 rep scheme for, for specific exercises. And they used BFR twice daily for a two week period. And in that 14 day window, they saw marked and significant improvements in muscle strength and muscle size. Um, so you, you would expect to see results fairly quickly, um, by its very nature, because you're not lifting that much load, it, BFR is one of those things that you can implement, you know, multiple times a week. A lot of the research on like the, on the, on the rehab perspective shows that if you want to see best results, you want to be using BFR, you know, three or four times a week. Um, that's one of the cool things with the emergence of new technologies where when you had like the big cumbersome thing, you normally have to go into the bricks and mortar of that facility in order to use it. And you have to work with you know, you have to pay for the clinician in order to do it. So obviously that's still going to have somewhat of a potent response, but if you can then pair that with being able to then use BFR um, on your own time at the gym or, or at home, you're going to see much more, uh, much more benefit from that. Awesome. And, you know, you had stated obviously about the hormonal effects and, and what your body, you know, what's happening when you're, you have like a limb that has the cuffs on. Now, if I have upper body on and I'm doing, you know, have it around my arms, is it something that I only will see upper body results? Will I see full body results? Like, is it very, is it limb specific, if you will? <laughs> no, you, no, no, that's, that's a really, really good question. No, you'll see a global response from, from a hormonal perspective. So this is a huge anecdote. So don't necessarily quote me on this, but um, when we've done like our follow-up calls with, you know, some big customers that we work with in the, in the professional sports realm. Um, we've seen athletic trainers and strength coaches now pairing, having individuals, athletes with um, uh, cuffs on their lower body while they're then going through an upper body strength session, purely because they're now trying to experiment and see if they can elicit a more potent response where they can still have the same heavy mechanical load up top, but then trying to then trigger a more um, severe and potent hormonal response as well. So, uh, yeah, you'll see global um, global effects from that hormonal response for sure. Excellent. And for those of you just joining us on today's Master Instructor Roundtable, I'm Marty Miller here with my co-host, Miss Wendy Batts, and we are with David Marshall, one of the co-founders of Suji, and we're talking blood flow restriction. So, David, we talked about personal trainers, that this should become more known within uh, this space. So, 
Can you talk about what Suji offers from a continuing education standpoint or the education that comes with, uh, you know, what you do with your product? Yeah, sure. So um, all of our customers, when they first purchase Suji, get taken through a free 45 minute onboard, um, during which time uh, we go through the basics in terms of like, what is the hardware component, like the cuffs and the, the Bluetooth pump. Um, they also then get guided through all of the, the, the setup and the use of the mobile app as well. Um, because we have that mobile app interface, we're then able to um, uh, take a lot of the load in terms of the onboarding through the app. So uh, we have sort of CGI that guides through uh, guides the individual through how to set up and calibrate on themselves or if they're using it on, on an athlete or a patient or a client. Uh, and then thereafter, built into the app is then specific protocols for them to follow. So for example, if you're unfamiliar with BFR and you are working with um, let's say you're working with an athlete that needs to improve hamstring strength. You can go onto our programs tab, scroll down hamstrings, tap on, on that program. And then from there, that will then auto generate a periodized six week program for that individual to follow. So we have that all in that app. Um, so it really can like alleviate a lot of the thought process, for, particularly for an individual who is um, uh, less confident or is less in the know in terms of how to administer BFR. And, and also, too, for, um, you know, for trainers, obviously, we see multiple people throughout the day. The way that, that Suji's set up, do you guys have it? Because you had said that there's like, you know, folders and different types of um, information where, where you can keep that and store it. Can you store it for different, um, you know, different clients? Is it something that, you know, it's stored if it's just your, you know, your cuff? Can you use it with a bunch of different people? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think, I, as I alluded to earlier, we've built two different sides of the app that exist within within the the same uh, the same central app. Where if you're using it as a personal trainer, you'd use it on professional mode, and then during professional mode, you have the ability from one phone and one profile to create multiple client profiles from within that that same center base. And then from there, you can then calibrate the system to each individual. Uh, client or each individual athlete and it will save that client's calibration data so for future use if you're working with an athlete on on a monday and then you're seeing that same athlete again on the friday you're able to then get them rolling with bfr uh, much quicker much smoother um, and there's no limit on the number of client or athlete profiles that you have within your phone as well so it really sort of again we've been quite uh we've been like real sticklers for feedback and we as much as we want to know uh, as much about bfr we're obsessed with learning and trying to understand people's workflows. So we, we know that the workflow for a personal trainer is going to be significantly different to, you know, uh, a high school athlete who's trying to use BFR for passive recovery. So in terms of how our app interacts with both those parties, it's markedly different and, um, you know, should be something that you can take on quite easily. Awesome. Well, I know I've already learned a lot today. So I think kind of my follow-up questions to some of the ones I've already asked and maybe a final takeaway is Wendy and I have said before that so many things that we see in fitness start in the elite sports performance side of things. And that's where a lot of the research is done. So it sounds like your work at Suji, you've got a lot of elite sports performance teams, and it also sounds like you're involved in a lot of research. So can you kind of give us an idea of, you know, where you see the current research? Is there a specific population that now you're going away from elite sports to maybe seniors or other things that will eventually kind of trickulate into the fitness industry? Yeah, sure. So just for a little bit of context on that, obviously, um, we are formerly a British company. We've only just moved to the US 
uh, this time last year, so September 21. Um, and our, our focus in, in the last 12 months has certainly been in the elite sport realm. And the main reason that we did that is because we we didn't have to therefore address the educational hurdle that existed around BFR. We, what we were doing is we were going in with our product and we were able to market it and communicate that to athletic trainers and PTs that were already you know, using BFR with their athletes. And more importantly, they were already aware of the pitfalls of the current technology. So it became a somewhat easy sell to be like, hey, this is what we've got. This is our price point, And this is how we've made it so it fits seamlessly into a workflow. And that's why we've been able to penetrate the North American elite sport realm in, um, in, in, in a reasonably quick time frame. Um, in terms of where we see it sort of trickling down next, obviously the, the PT market is, again, is another educated um, PTs in physical therapy, I, sh I should say. Is, is an obvious market for us because, again, they're an educated market. They're already using BFR. Um, in terms of where we see that next step down when we start looking at the um, like general population, um, it's, it's going to go down to those individuals and those athletes that are still extremely numbers-driven, um, You know, those weekend warrior types that are still looking to improve numbers and are, are competing in sport in some way, in some, uh, some fashion. Um, they tend to be the... Uh, the, the group or the audience which is looking at what you know the elites are doing and, and we're looking for that trickle down effect um outside of that obviously the the personal trainer market is is another huge one it's like if you're a pt who is looking to add another string to your bow if you're a pt that's working with uh you know a, a broad spectrum of of clients from you know young elite athletes all the way through to to you know older populations um, then BFR maybe should be something that you consider because it could be a good USP for you to have um, compared to some competitors. And also just as a, uh, you know, another modality to add, which is, you know, heavily, heavily based in science. Awesome. Thank you. Well, on the Master Instructor Roundtable today, myself, Wendy Batts and Marty Miller have had the opportunity to speak with David Marshall from um, co-founder of Suji, but also really talking about the science behind BFR training and David, I could probably talk to you all day because a, you know, a, you've got an awesome accent. So who doesn't love to hear someone from the UK talk? But then also the information you provided for our group has been incredible. Um, so I guess finally, I, my my question to you is, what would be a key takeaway that you would want to leave our audience thinking, especially if they've kind of been on the cusp of being nervous about utilizing or incorporating BFR training into their into their um, into their company or with their clients? Sure. I mean, I'd say that one of the biggest one of the biggest faults with BFR training is the fact that it is called blood flow restriction training. So it already has a name and a title, which is going to put off a certain number of people. Um, as, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, blood flow restriction training is one of the, the most heavily researched and empirically backed training and rehab modalities that exists. Uh, there's decades and decades of research that sit behind it. The only reason that it hasn't been taken on by the masses um, to this to this point is purely because of the access to accurate um, and easy to use technology. Um, I, I would again, as a as a as a as a biased voice box, um, technology like Suji and, and others that are out there now have democratized that, where we can take it out of the silos of elite sport and, and big institutes and big colleges, and actually now put it into the hands. Of, of, of personal trainers and the everyday athlete where they can use it in, a, in an extremely safe and um, you know, empirically backed manner. So that would be the big thing. Don't be put off by it. Um, it's an extremely potent modality. Certainly isn't there and it isn't a silver bullet and it's not going to be something that just replaces everything else that you're doing. Uh, but if you're looking for another string to your bow, 
And if you're looking for something to add, um, which is going to add a bit of variance, then uh, BFR is certainly something you should look into. Well, before we conclude, you kind of left something out there. If you wouldn't call it blood flow restriction, before I wrap up, what would you call it? What would I call it? I'd call it Suji training. But again, that's just me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, well, thank you so much, David. It's been a pleasure. I know you opened up my eyes and I can tell if, uh, knowing Wendy so well that uh, I think we both have a better understanding of this amazing topic. And I know we're both going to plan on putting it into practice. But I know also that our NASM family, this is new to them. It could be, like you said, intimidating. And I think that uh, there was a lot of great information delivered. So I think hopefully everyone can move to the next step and be more comfortable with this topic. So thank you. No, thank you so much for taking time. I really enjoyed it. And, and David, um, before we, if somebody wants to learn more, I mean, where can they go to learn more about Suji or find you or, or maybe how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the best place is probably through our website, which is just sujibfr.com. Um, sujibfr across all socials as well. Um, our Instagram isn't the most active at the moment, purely because we've been, you know, uh, selling to the uh, elite sport realm, but we are uh, active in the DM there as well. So if you just want to reach out to us directly through that, that's a good avenue or obviously through our email as well. Uh, my email address is just david at sujibfr.com if you want to get in touch with me directly as well. Excellent. Well, thank you, David. And thanks everybody that tuned in today. Great topic. Interesting. David, you went through so much stuff. So I know we're excited and we'll probably be calling you back again for round two at some point because we're going to have that much follow-up. But thank you. And Wendy is always great stuff. And we look forward to seeing you next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable.